Let's pray now as we prepare to hear from God's Word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our ears so that we hear the Word of God this morning, your Word. We pray that you would open our hearts and work in them so that we believe and trust what we hear. We pray, God, that you would, that you would uh, send us out from here shaped by your word and built up in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God's word comes to us this morning from John chapter 20, from later in that chapter uh, that I, I just read the first verse of the chapter with the kids, of course, the Easter story. But uh, I want to fast forward and begin at verse 11 today, so you can grab your Bibles and find Jap uh, John chapter 20, beginning at... Um, well, it says in the bulletin, verse 10, but I was planning to begin at verse 11. I guess I'll begin at verse 10. Why not? It's written up there, right? Um, so, and, and some of you, most of you, I think, know me. I've preached here a few times, but in case you're, um, you don't, I'm uh, Reverend Nick Monsma. I am a member at this church. I was previously the pastor at East Palmyra Christian Reformed Church. Um, and uh, Pastor Anthony is away today. I heard that last week he sprained his preaching muscles with that sermon. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, um, I'm, I'm filling in for him today so he can have a week off. Let's turn now to John chapter 20 and hear what God says, beginning at verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold the sins from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here 
and see my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think Thomas ought to get a lot of respect from intellectuals during the past, I'd say 200, but maybe it's more like 800 years. Uh, Thomas is a, is a good empiricist when he says in verse 25, unless I see, the mark, the hands, uh, see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and my hand into his side, I will not believe. Right, Thomas He's a, he's a good empiricist. He's a good scientifically minded person, right? Saying, hey, unless I see it for myself, unless I can run the experiment myself and see the results in my own laboratory, I am not going to believe it. Uh, you might say that seeing is believing is, is Thomas's personal, uh, personal creed, at least here. Well, today I hope that you hear God telling you that when it comes to faith, it's not your own eyes that create faith and secure your salvation. It's rather the word of God from his own mouth entering into you that creates your faith and brings you salvation. Sometimes, you see, seeing isn't believing at all. Um, and sometimes the things we believe most, most strongly, of course, are the things we haven't seen, but other people have just told us about. But here's an example of... When, of a time when seeing isn't believing. Now, I, I remember as a young child watching this TV special on TV, and when I start describing it, I think many of you are going to remember it also. Uh, but I looked back, I looked on Wikipedia, and apparently this TV special first aired six months before I was born, so I must have been watching a rerun or something. But I remember this TV special where the magician David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. All right, he had this audience after dark seated in some bleachers along the shore in New Jersey looking across the water to the Statue of Liberty and there were two, uh, two, two towers of scaffolding framing the Statue of Liberty there and there were spotlights shining on it and a, and a light from a helicopter sweeping back and forth hitting the Statue of Liberty and he even had, he had next to him some screen that was showing radar that had a little blip on it where the Statue of Liberty was. And then he pulled a cord and, the, and a big curtain dropped in front of the Statue of Liberty between those two towers. And then he did something else, said some dramatic words, I'm sure. And the blip on the radar disappeared and he removed the, the curtain. And sure enough, there was nothing between those two towers but empty air. And the, the spotlights were sweeping through the darkness and the helicopter was finding nothing. And the people in the audience were amazed. Some of you, I think, remember this, right? This TV special. Well, I saw this on TV. I saw it, you know, not exactly in person, but I saw it on TV, but I don't believe any of it. And when I say that, I don't just mean I don't believe that David Copperfield actually made the Statue of Liberty disappear, but the more I think about it, the more frustrated I am because I don't believe any part of it at all. Sure, of course he didn't make the Statue of Liberty disappear, but uh, he could have faked everything. In fact, I'm, I'm confident that that radar screen was just a, a prop. And in fact, what's to say the audience wasn't a bunch of actors who were just pretending to be tourists? 
And in fact, couldn't he have filmed the whole thing in front of a green screen in some studio in Southern California? The whole thing makes me irritated the more, th more I think about it, because I'm 100% confident that, not a, that I shouldn't believe any of it, and I'm absolutely sure he didn't actually make the Statue of Liberty disappear. In this case, seeing is not believing. I'm sure that what my eyes saw did not actually happen. Well, when it comes to faith in Jesus, what Jesus says to us here is that it is not your eyes. You should not expect your eyes to create your faith and to secure your salvation, but rather the Word of God entering into you. And I hope you see that as it's revealed, as this truth is revealed in the story here of Mary Magdalene, in the story of, of Thomas, and, and then finally in what Jesus said to the rest of the disciples. See, it was true for Mary Magdalene, wasn't it, that seeing was not believing. Jesus, uh, or Jesus, or Mary Magdalene is weeping outside the tomb, and Jesus comes there and, and meets her, and, uh, and, and we read that she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And he said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? What are you seeking? And, and she supposed him to be the gardener. Je Mary met Jesus. Mary Magdalene met Jesus. She saw Jesus. But for her, seeing was not believing. In fact, Mary doesn't even recognize Jesus at first. Now, there's, we can speculate plenty about why Mary did not recognize Jesus. I know it's a common assumption that Jesus in his resurrected body looked so much different than he did when he was before his death that that's why she didn't recognize him, that there was something dramatically different about him. I'm not sure that this is the best way to understand this. One of, my, one of the things I'm uncomfortable about with that explanation is that it, it's clear that Jesus looked like a person. He didn't look like some angel or glowing figure or something. He looked like a person because she thought it was the gardener. Um, and, and one of the things the Bible emphasizes in several places about the resurrection of the body is that we should be looking forward to glorified bodies that are like these bodies but just not subject to death. And the bodies that we receive and the body that Jesus received in his resurrection was his real body, right? It was his, it was his true body. After all, his, his body was missing from, from the tomb. So I'm not sure it's, it's best to conclude that Jesus somehow had such a physical appearance that he was unrecognizable. I wonder if maybe we were supposed to understand that her inability to recognize Jesus was more something inside of her than it was something about Jesus. But in any case, we don't need to speculate on why Mary didn't recognize Jesus. Because I think what we're supposed to do is notice instead what was it that led her to finally recognize him. And it wasn't that she went and did some, some investigation, looked more closely, started checking things out. No, what led her to recognize Jesus was when Jesus said to her, Mary, when he called her name, it reminds me of what Jesus had said about himself as the shepherd of the sheep in John chapter 10, where he said, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Mary believed 
Mary Magdalene believed, not because of what her eyes saw, but because the voice of Jesus entered her and created that faith. Jesus would say this to Thomas a little bit later. He would say, you have seen and you believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Blessed are those who believe, not because they saw and proved it to themselves, but blessed are those, Jesus says, who believe because of the word that they hear. Mary Magdalene was blessed. And I hope today you hear God telling you that when it comes to faith, and salvation. The real blessing is found not in your eyes proving something to you yourself and creating your faith somehow and securing your salvation, but rather the true blessing is when the mouth of God brings you his word and creates that faith inside of you. The truth is, of course, that we love to trust our senses, though, don't we? I mean, they are our own. They're our things, and we love to use them. We love to prove things to ourselves and try to do this all on our own. Uh, so often we want to say that the, it's best if I can prove something to myself, if I can see it for myself, if I can demonstrate it, if I can personally know it's true. It's, that's best, and it's only second best if I have to rely on the word of someone else. Right? This is an assumption that we have. But Jesus turns this all upside down when, when he says in those words, uh, have you believed, he says to, to Thomas in verse 29, have you believed because you've seen me? Well, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus turns this all on its head and says, oh, sure, it's, it's true that seeing and then believing, that's natural, that's the ordinary way of things. But when it comes to faith and salvation, believing only because you've heard isn't a second best. Believing only because you've heard is supernatural. That's extraordinary. See, the truth is that as we go through life, we're giving constant opportunities to question whether it really is better to see something for ourselves. For example, I, uh, while I am 100% confident that David Copperfield, even though I saw it on TV, did not make the Statue of Liberty disappear, I am also 100% confident that Abraham Lincoln was shot in Ford's theater, even though I, I definitely didn't see that. That happened quite a bit before I was born, of course. Um, I was as a kid, though. I did once was in, in uh, Washington, D.C., and I was at Ford's theater, and I saw that balcony where John Wilkes Booth jumped off and broke his ankle and, and so on and the whole story. But I didn't see the, the events with my own eyes, and yet I'm 100% confident it happened. And how can this be? Well, it's because I trust the people who told me. I trust the eyewitnesses whose, whose accounts are recorded in newspapers and brought to us through historians and, and history classes and so on. I don't need to see the assassination of Abraham Lincoln by John Wilkes Booth to believe it happened because I already believe it based on the testimony. I trust the source. So let me say it to you again. Today, I hope you hear God telling you that when it comes to your faith and salvation, it's not your eyes that secure your salvation. It's the mouth of God that brings you salvation. We saw that in the case of Mary Magdalene. Now, finally, I want you to notice Thomas at the end here, and then in the middle, notice what Jesus says to his disciples. Thomas did receive the word from someone else's mouth. He received this testimony about Jesus, right? 
The disciples, the other disciples told him, we read in verse 25, we have seen the Lord. And it seems like at that point in the story that Thomas, that there's this this possibility that Thomas is going to experience this heavenly blessing of being told about the resurrection of Jesus and then believing it. It seems like that's a possibility, but Thomas quickly shuts down that possibility and insists on doing things the ordinary way rather than the extraordinary way. He says, no, I need to see it for myself. Thomas had that opportunity to enjoy that spiritual blessing. But when he hears, he doesn't believe. He insists on seeing and believing. Okay, now look at the other disciples and the verses that come before that. They actually did see Jesus, of course. They, they saw Jesus. He, he, he appeared in the room with them and then appeared repeatedly over the course of, of those days following the resurrection before the ascension. They actually do see Jesus, and one of the things that the, that the Bible emphasizes to us is that these writings that we find here, these are, this is the testimony of those eyewitnesses. Right? God has brought us eyewitness testimony here in the Bible. That's one of the things that, that, that we're told again and again, but the fact is that these words have the power to create faith not just because they are the words of the eyewitnesses. Notice what Jesus says to those disciples who are going to go and, and, and spread their testimony about the resurrection of Jesus to the whole world. This is what Jesus says to them in verse 21. He says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, if you declare that gospel of of forgiveness, they are forgiven them. If you withhold withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus says to these disciples that their words will have power. That their words will have power not so much because they saw and touched Jesus, although that is critically important. Yes, they were eyewitnesses, but their words are going to have power, Jesus says, because God the Holy Spirit has been poured out on them. So that when they speak the words of the gospel, it will be the very word of God going out and touching people's hearts. This, their eyewitness testimony, Jesus says, is not just their words. It's the word of God. And that's why it has the power to create faith and secure your salvation. For those who believe, you see, there's no difference between hearing these ancient words of Christians giving their eyewitness account and hearing the recognizable words of God himself. Let me ask you this morning, have you felt the power of these words? Have you felt the power of these words in your own life? I hope you have. One of the things that I am doing right now is I'm teaching a couple of history classes at East Palmyra Christian School. And two weeks ago, we were studying, with, the, with my fifth and sixth grade class, we were studying some of the Crusades from the late Middle Ages. And in, in one of the uh, accounts of the, the Crusades, 
uh, a couple, well, a couple of the leaders said, they were, their history records them of have, of, as having said that God spoke to them and told them that they were to lead people to Jerusalem to fight and take back Jerusalem from the Muslims. God told them to do this, is, is what history records them, them saying. And we actually spent the last 10 minutes of class then talking about what we should think when someone says, well, God spoke to me and told me such and such. And then, toward the end of that, I looked at the kids, and I, I kind of knew what the answer was going to be because I was a middle schooler once, right? And um, I have a middle schooler in my family. So I kind of knew what the answer to this was going to be, but I looked at the kids and I said, have any of you ever wished that you would he hear God speaking to you? Have any of you ever prayed and then just wished that when you finished your prayer, you would just hear the voice of God saying something in response? And sure enough, I'd say it was at least half of the kids I could see suddenly lit up with this eagerness. They're like, yeah, yeah I've, I want that. I want to hear God talking to me. And then I said to them, what if I told you that there was a way you could for sure hear God speaking to you today? And a number of the kids seemed like they were on the edge of their seats. It was obvious that God was working in their hearts so that this was something that they knew they wanted more than even to trade the, that neat Pokemon card that some other student has or whatever the, the kids are into. I mean, this was, you could, I could tell this was something that they wanted maybe more than anything else. Yeah, oh, tell me, how could I hear God speak to me today? And I picked up my Bible and said, open up the Bible because this is God's word. And when you read these words, you're hearing the voice of God speak to you. So let me ask you this morning, have you felt the power of these words? What happens in your soul when you hear them? When you hear these words from Matthew chapter 28, he is not here, for he has risen just as he said. I hope what happens in your soul is something supernatural when you hear those words. Or what about these words from 1 John 1 verse 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What happens in your soul when you hear those words? I hope it is something supernatural. Or maybe these familiar words from John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I hope when you hear those words, something supernatural happens in your soul. Because blessed is the person who hears the voice of God and believes. Let's pray. God, you've spoken your word to us. So often, like Thomas, we insist that we need to see before we believe. But God, we, we pray for that supernatural blessing. Create faith in us by your word. Strengthen the faith that you've already given us by your word. And help, help us to experience that miracle again and again. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.